0: You're clocked out. We're locked in. You're listening to Crunch Time with Miquez and Mash here on The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station.
1: April 20th, 2023. Welcome in to a Thursday edition of Crunch Time here on The Game. Southwest Louisiana sports station. And you're home for the LSU Tigers and the World Series champion Houston Astros. Matt Miguez here. The game hotline is 337-706-0111. We're broadcasting live from the Evco Development Studios here in Upper Lafayette. Evco Development is a civil construction company that specializes in new multifamily construction. The Houston Astros got an absolutely dominant performance from their pitching. Mixed in with a six-run eighth inning. To run away from the Toronto Blue Jays 8-1 to and take that series two games to one. The Astros now 9-10 and on the season. We'll recap that game. We'll talk about the NBA and NHL playoffs. Plus, did Oakland lose another sports franchise? My producer and co-host, Mr. James Mesh. James, happy Thursday to you, sir. How the hell are you? Happy Thursday, Matt. I'm doing good. How about you? I'm doing well. It is a beautiful, and I do mean beautiful day outside.
2: Would you say it's a Chamber of Commerce day? I would.
1: You would? I would say it's a Chamber of Commerce day. It is. Um, The temperature is perfect. It's not hot. It's not cold. Mid-70s, great. Absolutely fantastic.
2: You want to know what else was fantastic? What's that? Six runs in the eighth inning to actually Absolutely. crush the Blue Jays? Come on now.
1: Absolutely. You look at the way the eighth inning went. Jose Abreu gets a two-run single to left. And then Kyle Tucker comes up, gets an RBI single of his own to score Jordyn Alvarez. And then after, after that, it was a Jeremy Pena three-run boomba to left center, 359 feet make it 8-1 to one and that really put the game away but James let's talk about Luis Garcia Luis Garcia goes 7 complete innings he only gives up 2 hits he walks 1 gives up no runs and he strikes out 9 <laughs> that's my picture what a performance Absolutely fantastic.
2: So glad I started him last night.
1: You. You. Your fantasy baseball philosophy was so intriguing for for a multitude of reasons. This man went so hard on pitchers. Really quickly, and and I do mean quickly, run through your pitching rotation in (laughs) fantasy baseball.
2: Shohei? Shohei? Okay. Max Scherzer. Okay.
1: Luis. See where,
3: you
2: see where I'm going with this? Luis Garcia. Okay. Miles Nicolas. Okay. Uh, Steve Barlow. Okay. Nick Martinez. Uh-huh. Pat Sewell. Okay. Jorge Lopez. Okay. Aaron Nola.
1: Aaron Nola. Okay.
2: <laughs> Max uh, Freed. Oh, my God. Okay. And then I had recently picked up Seth Lugo.
1: I'm telling you something right now. If that was a pitching rotation for a real Major League Baseball team, you'd be good.
2: <laughs> they're, they're, they're they're winning every World Series known to man. That's the, nuts. You would probably say the only issue is can they bat? Well, I, I think your team can. Yeah.
1: Especially now that Fernando Tatis is back tonight.
2: Right? Golly, I've been missing my boy.
1: Speaking of a player that plays on the West Coast... I genuinely feel sorry for the people of Oakland today. Yeah, they they can't get your break, sports-wise. I genuinely feel sorry for the people of Oakland. It was announced this morning that for the third time in five years, a major sports franchise is exiting the city of Oakland. You had the Raiders leave for Vegas. Then you had the Warriors go across the bay to San Francisco. And now it was announced that the Oakland A's have purchased 50 acres of land near the Las Vegas Strip. So that paints the picture that they're going to build a stadium on the Strip and move the A's to Vegas. And so now Oakland goes to absolutely nothing. And Vegas gets everything. Because we talk about three teams in five years leaving Oakland. Let's look at it from Vegas' perspective. Five years ago, five and a half years ago, they only had one pro sports team. And it was a WNBA team. It was Las Vegas Aces. That was the only pro sports in Las Vegas. And now you've got the Aces. You've got the Golden Knights. You've got the Raiders. And now you're getting the A's. The only thing left, James, is to get an NBA team. And I'm not saying that putting together a new franchise is easy. But I do believe that Las Vegas has the hardest work done. They've got a facility. Now you just need people to run it and a roster to put on the court. So, you and I talked about this off the air, and I'm going to bring it up here right now. What the NBA should do, get an expansion team in Vegas.
2: And then give Seattle back their team. Bring the Supersonics back to Seattle. Right. And that puts you at 32 teams. So then at that point, you can either go with the NFL approach, where you have eight different divisions with four teams in each division, or you do like the NHL does is and have four big, correct? Four big, uh, divisions with, with eight, teams. eight teams.
1: And so now what you're looking at is you would have 18 teams in the West and only 14 in the East. Well, very simply, what you do at that point is to make it 16-16. You added two teams to the Western Conference, so you need to add two teams back to the East. And which two teams in the Western Conference are the farthest East, Mr. James Mesh? One of them would be the New Orleans Pelicans. It would be. It would be the New Orleans Pelicans and it would be the Memphis Grizzlies. Move both of them to the Eastern Conference, rework the divisions... However you you choose to
2: do it, whether it's four divisions of eight or eight divisions of four, and you and you would just probably rename them all anyway because correct because of how you worded them, correct. And there you go, and that actually
1: benefits the pelicans. Well actually now I don't know. Not I was going to say
2: I was going to say, to be fair, the West this three, year kinda...
1: three years ago it might have benefited the
2: pelicans now, I'm not so sure, because the East is a gauntlet. There would be more opportunities for me to be able to go to a Celtics-Pelicans game in there, New Orleans, though. There would, be. Instead, of there that would one, be. instead of that one game a year? James Nash James would be happy about the Pelicans uh, moving to the East. Happier than a clam.
1: <laughs> Look, I, I think if you're Vegas, I, I think that's the next move. Because, uh, again, I think the harder part of starting a franchise is building the facility finding land to build the facility, actually building the facility, you already have one. You have T-Mobile Arena. That's where the Golden Knights play. That's where the Aces play. There's no reason why an NBA team can't play there also. So, again, in my opinion, the hardest work is done. Now you just need an ownership group and a roster. So... And Vegas has proven over the last couple of years that they can hold a sports franchise. They're a sports town. Look at the success the Golden Knights have had in a short amount of time. The Raiders, look at the amount amount of money being dumped into the Raiders. I I think they're going to rise to a certain level of prominence at some point. And you're going to see a lot of popularity with the Athletics once they move there. I think you're going to see a lot of popularity with the Athletics because here's the problem with Oakland. The ownership group that is currently in charge of the Oakland Athletics, I think the biggest issue for them is that they don't put enough money into the A's. The Oakland A's still have one of the lowest payrolls in baseball. I think when you go to Vegas, you would almost have no choice but to put money into... The A's. Because if you look at it, their active payroll right now is $36.5 million. They have $23.5 million built up into their IL. And then you've got $65,807 in buried minor league salaries. So your total payroll is $60,158,000. That is not a lot of money. In Major League Baseball, folks. It's not. It's actually last in the MLB. So, I'll retract my statement by saying the Oakland A's have one of the lowest salary pay- payrolls in baseball. No, they have the lowest payroll in baseball. You can't win that way. So, you go to Vegas... You go to a sports-crazy town. You go to a town that is full of money. You invest more into the A's, and who knows, maybe, just maybe, you'll find some success. I hope so, because anybody that's a fan of the athletics, they certainly need it. They haven't had success in a long time. But, again, I I think that this move is going to be a good thing for the Oakland A's. Well, I I guess now we can start calling them the Vegas A's. But looking at payrolls in the MLB while we're on that topic, James, are you surprised that the top two are the two New York franchises?
2: Not really. Uh, Where do the California teams rank? the two Los Angeles teams are at five and six okay so I, I was I had assumed at least one of them was going to be in the top five Dodgers and Angels
1: yeah in that order five and six and then the Astros come in at number 10 at 191 million dollars for for their payroll that's, that's a rather large payroll meanwhile the Mets are sitting at 345.8 <laughs> <$345. laughs> million dollars just for 2023 Lord have mercy That is massive. On today's show, we have Dane Lewis, the host of Locked On Stars. We're going to talk some NHL playoffs, including the Dallas Stars, who are in a heated battle with the Minnesota Wild. And then at 5.30, David Eckert of the Clarion Ledger. He's going to join us to talk some Ole Miss Rebels as they prepare to host the top-ranked LSU Tigers this weekend in a three-game series. All that and much more coming up on Crunch Time right here on the game.
0: This is Crunch Time on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros.
1: The world-famous Angola Prison Rodeo is coming back in the game. 103.7 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles has your free tickets. Text Rodeo to 337-283-8100. That's Rodeo to 337-283-8100. The Angola Prison Rodeo returns this weekend, and you can see all the excitement from bull riding to wild horse racing and even convict poker. Text Rodeo to 337-283-8100 to watch the world-famous Angola Prison Rodeo, courtesy of Southwest Louisiana Sports
0: Station. Got something to say to Miguez and Mesh? Hell yeah! It's easy. Just call the hotline by dialing 337-706-0111. Now back to more Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh here on The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's Sports Station
1: i was almost right on anthony edwards i wasn't far off welcome back to crunch time 419 on your thursday matt miguez james mesh give us a call on the game hotline 337-706-0111 what i'm referring to is that yesterday i said that ant-man aka anthony edwards would carry the minnesota timberwolves and tie the series with the denver nuggets Well, what I didn't predict was 40 points from Jamal Murray. And the Nuggets win. Got to be able to count for those. 122 to 113. Denver now has a 2-0 lead in the series. And look, I know that they're going back to Minneapolis. But I'm willing to say that this series is over. Really? It's over. Really? Is that sarcasm? Yes, a little bit. Yeah. Okay.
2: Yeah. I, I I picked up on it. I just had to be sure. You're starting to figure it out. No, because th- Rudy Gobert had to be held back again. I could see Minnesota
1: picking up one oh, while yeah. they're in Minneapolis, mm-hmm. but then they're gonna come back to
2: Denver and. I think it's the same thing with tonight with the Warriors, where you'll probably win your first game back, like your first game at home, to try and make a respectable two to one. But then the Nuggets and why am I blanking all of a sudden on and the Kings? Yeah, they'll come which, back. They'll they'll come back game four which, and win, and they'll go up three one going back home.
1: We're gonna get to that series in just a moment. But and look, t- looking at this game between the Nuggets and the Timberwolves, no disrespect to Nikhil Alexander Walker, former Pelican, but. If Nikhil Alexander Walker is playing 27 minutes in a playoff game, you've got some fundamental issues. The guy's just not ready for that t- that level of play. He's just not. He's too young. He's too inexperienced. He's not ready for that style of play. And when when you're depending on a guy like him to give you 27 minutes a night, that is not a recipe for a success. Um. And then when you, it just, I think the biggest thing here is Denver just absolutely overpowers Minnesota. You look at Aaron Gordon, a guy who has always been close, but has never fully broken through. And then you have Michael Porter Jr., a guy who was an absolute, freak of nature in high school, goes to Missouri to play for his dad, never plays a game for the Tigers, has back surgery, and you question if he's ever going to play basketball again. Well, he gets drafted, sits on the bench for a year or two to go through his rehab, and now he's fantastic. He's doing what you thought he would do when he went to Missouri shot 5 of 7 from the field last night, 2 of 3, 4 of 5 from the three point from the free throw line, 16 points, 6 rebounds, and he had a steal. Nikola Jokic does what he's done all year, 27 points, 9 assists, 9 rebounds. And then you get 40 from Jamal Murray. The Denver Nuggets are just too much. And if I'm going to be quite honest, I think they're too much. For everybody. I just... I don't see anybody right now other than maybe Sacramento that's going to be able to outlast them in a seven-game series. James, what, what, do you, what do you think? Can, can anybody stop Denver?
2: I think it's going to be really tough because for me... Jokic, he the last two years he's won MVP, and people were kind of saying that it's it's almost voter fatigue, like they almost want to vote Embiid just because it's not Jokic. Well, Embiid pretty much solidified himself there with how he played the back end of the season, but throughout the whole season, they were talking about it and they were asking Jokic about it, and Jokic was like, "I'm not worried about the individual accomplishments. I want to help this team win." and them getting bounced really early by the Warriors last season, I kind of feel like that lit a fire under Jokic to be like, look, we got to make sure we win and go as far as possible. At this point, the Warriors, unless they make a huge turnaround, Sacramento's beating them. The Suns, they're, they're having to go back and forth with the Clippers. They have a chance, but I would still rather Denver at this point. I, I think Denver, they're the number one seed for a reason. I think they end up going out in the West. The biggest challenge would either be the Suns or the Kings with how well the Kings have played. But I think they are still pretty young, and this is the first time in a while that they've made the playoffs. You so I, don't, I feel like with how long it's been for them, for them to go from a bottom feeder to all of a sudden in the NBA Finals, I think it's a little too soon to say. I think they'll maybe hit that fatigue or that wall, you could say, toward the back half of the second round or if they make it past that against like Denver in the conference finals I think they'll kind of hit that wall towards the end.
1: Milwaukee tied up the series with Miami last night without Giannis, right? Thanks, and it was a blowout thanks to a 46 point second quarter to run away with it 138 to 122. Drew Holiday 24 points, 11 assist for Milwaukee. Brooke Lopez, another great game as well with twenty-five and the Bucks as a team, twenty-five three pointers in the contest.
2: Right. It was a really conservative effort from everybody that played meaningful minutes. Like, especially the starting five, because you mentioned Brook, you mentioned Drew Holiday, but you had Bobby putting up thirteen and fifteen. He had himself a double-double. You had Grayson Allen, who put up 16 himself, and then Chris Middleton, even though you thought maybe he would take up more of a load with the scoring, he still put up a respectable amount as well, which led to them being overpowering of the Miami Heat. And I wonder, even though Giannis is obviously much better than the Miami Heat, Miami needs a lot more to be in their favor, and the fact that they Uh lost one of their main playmakers and three-point shooters in Tyler Hero, and he's... With him breaking his hand, he's not going to be there for the series. That's detrimental for the Heat. I don't care how much Jimmy Butler tries to carry that team. It's not going to be enough.
1: How about Pat Connaughton with 22 off the bench and Joe Ingles with 17 off the bench? That was critical for Milwaukee's success last night. Huge performances by both of them off the bench. I mean, Connaughton went 6 of 10 from downtown, Ingles 5 of 6. I mean,
2: good Lord. I mean, they, they were making a rain. They shot over half. They made over half of their shots. Yeah. They set up. Was it a playoff record or a franchise record?
1: I know playoff, some, I know playoff some sort of three record. point record. Yeah. So it, it, so it was an NBA playoff record 25 made threes by a team. That's insane. And then the Grizzlies taking down the Lakers 103 to 93. Xavier Tillman, 22 points, 13 rebounds to lead the Grizzlies. That series is now tied at one game apiece. If you look at tonight's matchups, 76ers and Nets, I, I think that one's already over. Um, They're, they're back in Brooklyn now. Again, I, I think they maybe take one. But I wouldn't be surprised if Philly just ran right through them.
2: Yeah, I see this as a sweep. Suns and Clippers. This one... Suns Clippers, that is a series that'll probably go down to seven. Yeah, it's,
1: it's going to be back and forth. Whoever wins it is just going to have to absolutely grind it out. Um, they're back in LA tonight, so I'm I'm going to give Game Three to the Clippers. But again, going to be going to be seven, probably game, probably seven games, and then the last one. Look. When you look at the Kings and Warriors, bravo to the Warriors for winning the championship last year and then finding their way back into a respectable playoff seed this year. But I think the youth of Sacramento is
2: going to be too much for an aging Warriors team. I agree. But I think with this game, this is the last ditch effort for the Warriors to still try and salivate this series. Because if you go down three to zero, it's over. If you go down two to one, you're still going to probably take the Kings and at worst six more likely than not. But to give yourself a chance, you have to win tonight. You have to. Yeah. I, I
1: agree. Um, I, I think what it's going to come down to, though, is that Sacramento is just going to push the pace. And say look they're gonna look at Golden State and say, can you keep up? And I think the answer to that question is no.
2: You're gonna you're gonna have to ask for like an anth- or yeah, an Anthony Edwards type of night. Like you're gonna probably need Steph to score about forty.
3: Correct.
1: So we'll take a timeout here on crunch time four thirty. Here on your Thursday we return, we're going to talk some NHL playoffs. Dane Lewis of Locked On Stars, he'll join us. We'll talk about the Stars series with the Wild and look at some of the other matchups right here on the game.
0: This is Crunch Time, live from the Evco Development Studios in Upper Lafayette on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's Sports Station.
1: Welcome back to Crunch Time 434 on your Thursday. Matt Miguez, James Mesh, broadcasting live from the Evco Development Studios. Here in Upper Lafayette, Evco Development is a civil construction company that specializes in new multifamily construction. The game hotline is 337-706-0111. The Dallas Stars took down the Minnesota Wild 7-3 last night behind a hat trick from Rupe Hintz. Let's talk about that series plus... The other seven going on in the NHL with Dane Lewis, host of Locked on Stars. Dane, really appreciate you taking the time on this Thursday, man. How are you?
3: I'm doing great. Uh, thank you guys for having me on. I'm excited to, to be here and talking some hockey.
1: So last night's Stars game, you know, you dropped the first one in double overtime. You come back last night, score four goals in the second period. You get a hat trick from Rupe Hintz, followed up with two goals from Evgeny Dadanov, just kind of talk about the performance by Dallas to to even the series at home
3: yeah really important game two for the stars obviously you you want to win both those games when you have home ice advantage but as has kind of been the trend to start this playoffs you know off with the first round a lot of these teams that are hosting the first two games are are losing at least one of them I mean even some of the games that are coming on later tonight Vegas Colorado two teams that are seeded pretty high and Dallas found themselves in a rough spot where they lost a game and were also down a key player with Joe Pavelski, who you know is in concussion protocol. We know he's not going to travel with the team to Minnesota for games three and four. So it was important for the Stars to come out and play a strong game from start to finish. They didn't really do that on Monday. Kind of slept walked. it looked like through the first two periods. But yeah, Rope Hintz was was nothing short of spectacular on Wednesday night with the hat trick. He picks up an assist as well. Evgeny the Donoff incredible night on a, on a line with by Johnston, Jamie Bin. Uh, those three have been really good here down the stretch, really ever since the Donoff came over at the trade deadline, uh, incredible performance all around from the whole team. And I mean, that's best case scenario, given how the series started out, uh, maybe behind the eight ball a little bit now going on the road, tied at one, the, the wild accomplished what they wanted to. They were able to steal one as the road team, but the, the stars have been an excellent team on the road this season. And, yeah, especially in net. I think that they feel pretty confident with Jake Ottinger who has been phenomenal all season and he's a Minnesota native. So I think there's some excitement for him heading into these next couple of games to play in front of an intense atmosphere, a hostile atmosphere, but one that I'm sure he's accustomed to as he, you know, grew up around a culture of, you know, passionate hockey fans.
2: You see,
1: talk about, I'm glad you brought up Jake Ottinger. what a performance last night. He stops 23 of 26 shots the 24-year-old having an incredible season. He's tied for third in terms of record, seventh in goals allowed per game. You know, it seems like, at least from my point of view, Dallas has kind of struggled with with the goaltender position over the last couple of years with, with the latter half of Ben Bishop's career, and then the, there, there was kind of a carousel of goalkeepers for a little while. But it, it looks like at only 24 years old, Jake Ottinger might be a long-term solution for Dallas.
3: Absolutely. Yeah. You hit it right on the head. It's been a weird situation where even last season uh, carousel is the perfect word to describe it. Ottinger wasn't really supposed to play in the NHL. We, Ben Bishop was expected to come back. Anton Hudobin, who was the goalie for the stars just a few years ago when they went to the Stanley cup final, he was expected to be a big part of the rotation and they had a, uh, they picked up Braden Holtby as well. Who's won a Stanley cup with the, with the Washington capitals back in 2018 and, so, you know, he kind of gets thrust in, Ottinger does, to the starting role halfway through last season and then finds himself as the starter in the playoffs against Calgary. The Stars lose that series, but he was phenomenal in those seven games, and he's taken on the starter role again this year. And it, Ben likes that. I mean, you, you, those stats speak for themselves, and the, the amount of wins that the Stars were able to pick up with him starting night in and night out just about every game this season. I mean, he started 61 games of the 82 on the schedule I mean, you couldn't ask much more from him, and it's been a ton of fun to watch because, like you said, he's only 24 years old, and it seems like the best is still yet to come. But at the same time, he's already proven that he's one of the best in the league, and he certainly belongs in that conversation for an elite goaltender, and especially here in the postseason. He has that mix of you know, a good, strong work ethic. He knows that he still always has ways to improve, but he also has that, that slight, swagger and arrogance that you like to see from professional athletes as well, where it's not overwhelming and it's not something that almost makes him feel like an antagonist or an enemy, but it's almost kind of like a, a charm, if you will, to it's, be it's, it's split down the middle of humility, knowing that there's always work to be done, but also knowing that you're one of the best at what you do and other teams are going to have a nightmare trying to get the puck past you every single night.
1: The other Western Conference series that got played last night, Edmonton taking down the Kings 4-2. to Leon Dreisidel had a point, had three points on the night with a goal and two assists. You know, you look at the Oilers with Dreisidel and Connor McDavid, and you you kind of question where has the issue been? Because they have struggled to, to really move on in the playoffs. Do you think that this is finally the year that that Edmonton becomes a serious contender for a Stanley Cup?
3: I think it could be. I I think they made some really Sneaky good moves at the trade deadline. Uh, obviously, Leon Draisaitl and Connor McDavid have not been the issue over the past few seasons, and you know they made it to the Western Conference Finals last season. They fell, you know, they get they get swept by the Colorado Avalanche, who would go on to win the Stanley Cup. But really, they've been lacking in net, and they've been lacking a little bit defensively. But they went out at the trade deadline, and they picked up a guy like Matthias Ekholm from Nashville, who you know isn't going to put up the most staggering offensive numbers, but what he can do defensively and what he can do, you know, down low in his own zone has been a game changer for this Edmonton team alongside guys like Darnell nurse who have been there for quite some time. It's not the flashiest group of defensemen, but they've been getting the job done and it's a big win for for them. Last night, they were in a similar spot to the Dallas stars. They lose an overtime game one. They actually blow a lead in game one. Uh, I think they had a three, one lead in the third period and LA comes back to tie it, but they've also gotten some pretty good performances from Stuart Skinner, who, is still kind of finding his footing in the NHL to some degree. He's 24, like Jake Ottinger. But I think the Oilers have really liked what they've seen from him this season. He's got some pretty nice numbers to go with it. So the West Western Conference in general feels very wide open. So it wouldn't surprise me at all, just given what Connor McDavid has done this season with his numbers, Dreisaitl, uh you throw in guys like Evander Kane, Ryan Nugent, Hopkins. Wouldn't surprise me at all if we see the Oilers back in the conference finals. Uh, and I wouldn't be shocked if they're able to make it even farther and potentially be the Western Conference representative uh, in the Stanley Cup Finals.
1: The Kraken and the Avalanche play tonight, and you know, looking at Colorado, they won the Stanley Cup last year. They had a great season yet again without Gabriel Landeskog all season long. Uh, the Kraken have really been surprising. The last two expansion teams to come ar- come along have found almost immediate success. Uh, Vegas absolutely immediate, making it the Stanley Cup final in their first year. Uh, But talk about the success of of Seattle and how you see that series playing out.
3: Yeah, they've had an incredible year and one that I I don't think a lot of people saw coming, just given how everything went last season. They weren't a very good team, uh, didn't finish with a lot of wins. It's a little bit more what you expect from an expansion team, but they they came out in year two and I think they shocked a lot of people and they're continuing to shock people. Uh, I don't think many people expected the Seattle Kraken to win game one of that series against Colorado. Like you said, defending champions on home ice. And the avalanche really just had no answer for Seattle. Only able to get one goal from Miko Rantanen. But I mean, it's, it's not great goaltending up in Seattle. Philip Grubauer with one of his better performances on Tuesday, Uh, he saves 34, of 35 shots. I don't expect Seattle to, to win this series. I think it's a nice story. And I think they maybe have the potential to win one more game, but I, I just, Can't see a world where this Colorado Avalanche team finds themselves out in the first round. They've dealt with a lot of injuries this season and they've dealt with a ton of adversity as kind of is the case in professional sports. You win the championship, you know, you get teams that run it back every now and then, but it's never as easy as it appears on paper. And the Avalanche have had their ebbs and flows, but I don't know if they're going to go back to the Stanley Cup finals this season, but I I can't see them losing uh, here in round one. I think they have the better goaltender in Alexander Georgiev, not his best night on Tuesday, but I mean you just look at the Colorado roster, Cale McCarr, Nathan McKinnon, Miko Ranson, and just just to name a few. But I mean it it's a deep team and I think ultimately they're going to be to, to find a way to, to power through and, and, and to game plan around the Seattle team who has good pieces, but I just don't think they're ready to take that next step. But I think if you're a Seattle Kraken fan, you, you feel very confident after this year in the direction that the franchise is heading.
1: And then the last series in the West, Winnipeg and, and Vegas. We talked about Vegas and the success that they've had over the last couple of years. They're down 0 1 to Winnipeg right now. Do they even the series tonight?
3: I, I think so. I think it's a similar situation to Colorado. Uh, although I think Winnipeg maybe has has a chance to make, maybe win, you know, take it to seven games. Maybe they win two or three more. They've got Connor Hellebuck in net, who's won the Besna trophy before, a guy who knows how to win in net, but also. You know, his his defense was making it easy on him. He only had to save 16 of 17 shots, which isn't a very heavy workload. But similar to Colorado, I think this Vegas team, even though they're not a complete team due to injuries and things like that, they're too deep. And I think they've had too good of a season to just be cut off by this Jets squad. But I will say the Jets are led by Rick Bonus, who was coaching the Dallas Stars for the past few seasons. And so I'm not surprised to see the Jets playing this way. I mean, that's Rick Bonus hockey they have try to just come into these playoff series where, you're the underdog, and you you, you play maybe to, to a standard higher than people were expecting, and you shock some people at first. I think that happened last year in the playoffs when Dallas played Calgary. Dallas really gave the Flames a run for their money, but ultimately fell short, and I think that's what will happen here. It wouldn't surprise me to see it go to six or seven games, but I think Vegas is eventually going to get things figured out, uh, and I think that they're going to eventually win this series, probably in six or seven.
1: Chatting with Dane Lewis, host of Locked on Stars, here on Crunch Time Which series in the Eastern Conference uh, interests you the most?
3: I'm split, but I I think I'm going to go New York and New Jersey just because New Jersey's been such a shock this season, maybe the biggest shock uh, of the entire season. Another former Dallas Stars coach in Lindy Ruff. Uh, I think people expected the Devils to be better this year. They've kind of been in the basement over the past handful of seasons. I think there was expectations to take steps forward with guys like Jack Hughes uh, who's had a phenomenal season, Nico Heischer, uh, Jesper Bratt. I mean, a really nice young core, and they have you know really defied expectations and come out in a Metro division. And, and really, the Eastern Conference has been an absolute gauntlet this season, and they've proven a lot of people wrong. But the Rangers, also a, a very sneaky good team who made it to the conference finals last year. They retained most of their talent and also added some really good depth uh, at the trade deadline. Uh, Evander Kane, who's won Stanley Cups with Chicago, Vladimir Tarasenko, also a champion with the St. Louis Blues back in 2019. I, I think that's a deep team with Igor Shesterkin, who's one of the best goalies in the NHL. A- and I think the Devils will make things interesting. I, I likely expect them to tie this series up tonight. Uh, the Rangers kind of came into New Jersey's building on, what was that, Tuesday, stole the show. But I think I think the Devils will get back even. But I think this is going to be a really interesting series because there's a lot of animosity between the Rangers and the Devils, and, and I expect it to be good, but I think the Rangers will ultimately win. They, they, I think the veteran experience on that team is eventually going to push them over the line, but De- Devils fans have to be very pleased. I th- like Where Seattle fans feel their team is, the Devils even more so. I mean, they have a heck of a squad, and if it's not that series, uh, it's Tampa Bay and Toronto, just because you know Toronto, one of the most recognizable brands in the league, but they haven't won a playoff series since 2004, Tampa Bay has been to the Stanley Cup Finals four seasons in a row, so there's a lot on the line for both teams, and Tampa Bay definitely stole the show in Game 1, but I don't expect Toronto to just roll over.
1: Dane Lewis, host of the Locked on Stars, joining us here on Crunch Time. Dane, really appreciate your time. Uh, Enjoy the rest of the playoff season, and uh, next season when the NHL rolls back around, we'll have you on again.
3: Absolutely. That sounds great to me. Thank you, guys.
1: And there he goes, Dane Lewis, host of Locked on Stars. We'll take a timeout. We return. Lisa Prejean of the Southern Garden Festival and Family Promise of Acadiana joins us to talk about this weekend's festival right here on The Game.
0: This is Crunch Time on The Game. 103.7 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros.
1: It's another two-for-one deal from AcadianaDeals.com. Score $15 to Pizza Artista for only $7.50. That's a $15 voucher that you can get for just half the price. Once again, head to AcadianaDeals.com to get a $15 voucher to Pizza Artista for only $7.50.
0: You're listening to The game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Slings it far side. Stingley steps inside. The receiver and picks it off. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. A shot to left field. Going back on it's Gordon. He'll look up. at a goner. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros.
1: Welcome back into Crunch Time here on the game at Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Matt Miguez here. The game hotline is 337 706 0111. There's an incredible event coming up here in Lafayette this weekend. It's the Southern Garden Festival being held at the Harold and Sarah Scheffler Gardens near Oakbourne Country Club. Miss Leisha Prejean joins us on the game hotline to discuss about to discuss the event. Ms. Lisa, I really appreciate you taking the time this afternoon. How are you?
4: I'm good. Thank you.
1: So, talk to me about this Southern Garden Festival happening this Saturday in coordination with, with Earth Day. What What's the event about? You know, how did it kind of come about?
4: Well, Southern Garden Festival is uh, an annual event that benefits Family Promise of Acadiana. Family Promise of Acadiana is a nonprofit that helps local families who are experiencing homelessness. We serve only families with minor children. That's our exclusive clientele. And there's a great need here locally. A lot of people don't realize um, that homelessness includes many homeless families. And so we aim to work with those families in getting at the root causes of their homeless situation and helping them overcome that situation so that they can achieve long-term independence. So, kind of a quality over quantity service philosophy. And this Southern Garden Festival has been a wonderful event uh, to benefit our mission. Uh, Harold and Sarah Shuffler have uh, several acres of beautiful, beautiful garden property uh, right alongside the Vermilion River these magnificent uh, oak trees and lots of uh, native plants as well as some cultivated plantings. It's really a beautiful event. Lots of activities for adults as well as children. We have um, nature activities for the kids. There are also gardening and nature presentations for the adults. Anyone who is interested in, in nature and in gardening, uh, they're sure to find something to fit um, to, their fancy <laughs> at this event.
0: Now, the event
1: is this Saturday from 9 to 3. It's going to be $10 a person at the gate. Children 12 and under get in free. Now, you talked about the, the acres of the gardens that they have. There's also going to be live music and nature presentations and arts and crafts vendors. Talk a little bit about the the music and arts and crafts vendors that people will see this weekend.
4: It's really a great setting. You know, it's unique to um, a unique atmosphere where you've got that live music and the artists uh, in the garden setting. It's really, it's really wonderful. We have uh, every hour, we have uh, a different musician playing. So we've got like Sid Horn. Philip Gould, uh, Becca Begno, Dustin Patsy Patsuby Avenue, people who just, you know, people will recognize those names and a nice variety of, of music. We have uh, speakers who will be presenting on backyard birding as well as uh, beekeeping on um, native plants, Acadian Brown Cotton, so a wide range of, um, of subjects there. Uh, we have some ceramic and pottery artists, as well as uh, painters who um, work in uh, oil painting and other medium. So uh, it's just, you know, a, a little bit of something for everybody.
1: Chat with Ms. Lisa Prejean from the Southern Garden Festival. Say there's somebody that that's listening right now that won't be able to make the festival this weekend. But they want to get involved with, with Family Promise, they, they want to do something to help. How, how can they do that and where do they go to do that?
4: Oh, we would love uh, to talk more about the Family Promise mission with anyone who's interested uh, in getting involved. Uh, I would suggest visiting our website, which is familypromiseacadiana.org. Uh, and you can also find us on Facebook and Instagram and the contact information is there as well. So please do reach out, and we'll be glad to tell you more about our work.
1: The Southern Garden Festival this Saturday at the Harold and Sarah Scheffler Gardens, again near Oakbourne Country Club, right on the edge of the Vermilion River, 3502 East Simcoe Street. Miss Lisa, before I let you run, is there any other information about this festival or family promise that that you would like the listeners to know?
4: Well, I would like them to know that all the proceeds of this really wonderful, unique event do benefit our mission, and there is a a great need here locally. Um, As I I said earlier, a lot of people are surprised to hear that there are families, many families locally who experience homelessness. Uh, So this is a great way to benefit that mission, but also uh, just enjoy a wonderful, relaxing day in these beautiful gardens.
1: Miss Lisa Prejean with Family Promise of Acadiana promoting the Southern Garden Festival this weekend Miss Lisa really appreciate you taking the time I hope the festival Turns out absolutely incredible And uh, once again really Appreciate you taking the time
4: Thank you so much Matt
1: And there she goes Miss Lisa Prejean From Family Promise of Acadiana And the Southern Garden Festival We'll take a time out here on Crunch Time And we'll be back right after this
0: You're clocked out we're locked in. You're listening to Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station.
1: Hour number two of Crunch Time here on the game, Southwest Louisiana sports station. Matt Miguez, James Mesh broadcasting live from the EFCO Development Studios here in Upper Lafayette. EFCO Development is a civil construction company that specializes In new multifamily construction. The game hotline is 337-706-0111. In hour number one, we touched on the NBA playoffs. We talked about the NHL playoffs. And I gave my sympathies to the citizens of Oakland. Because that's just a horrible situation. As yet another sports franchise is leaving the Bay Area. But here in hour number two... We're going to get a preview of the Ole Miss Rebels as they prepare to host top-ranked LSU this weekend over in Oxford. James and I are going to look at the first-round draft prospects and who we think is the best fit for New Orleans. But right now, let's just kind of look at some other top stories in sports. Madison Bumgarner. You remember him? Used to be one of the best pitchers in the MLB. Well, the Arizona Diamondbacks DFA'd him today, designated for assignment. And what that will now do is they are willing to eat more than $34 million remaining on the veterans contract. He signed a five-year, $85 million deal with Arizona before the 2020 season, and he has posted a 5.23 ERA in his four years with the Diamondbacks. Last night, pitched three innings against the Cardinals, and he allowed seven runs in those three innings. James, if somebody offered you $34 million,
2: to get out Your answer would be when and when do you need me out When like it's the same thing that we did with coach O Yep What time then, do you want me to leave and what door do you want me to leave out of Exact I couldn't think of the phrase uh, I'm struggling today with with words and phrases w- Words are hard they are
1: Words are hard Uh yeah no What what time do you want me to leave and what door would you like me to use and would you like me to get you some coffee before I go? Yeah, do you need lunch before I before I skedaddle? Because, and and no, don't call me to come back because I'm never working again if you pay me $34 million. Ever. I'm going to live off of $500,000 a year for the next 60 years of my life. Booyah. Thank you very much. But here's the thing. What's now going to happen is he's going to clear waivers. Because nobody is going to want to eat up or, or even take part in the contract that he has. So he's going to clear waivers and then he'll be eligible to sign with any team in the league if he chooses for the major league minimum of $720,000 a year. So the Diamondbacks are going to pay him the $34 million that they still owe him. Plus, if he signs with another team, he can sign for the minimum $720,000 a year. Madison Bumgarner is doing okay. He's He is not brokenhearted about leaving Arizona, I can promise you. Looking at some other top stories. Kawhi Leonard has been ruled out for Game 3 tonight against the Suns. James, how does that change
2: things tonight? Uh, give me the Suns. <laughs> completely flipping the pick. Well, no, you had the you had the Clippers winning Game Three tonight, huh? I had the Clippers winning. Yeah, yeah. I I was gonna take the Suns no matter what. But oh, you were ta- okay. I want. I was gonna take the Suns because I felt like they would start taking command in the series at this point, and then maybe the Clippers take it back in Game Four to tie it. But I had a good feeling that they were gonna win tonight, and well, that well, that solidified even more now that Kawhi is not gonna be in.
1: Matt Patricia. Is returning to the coaching ranks. Right. He has been hired by Philadelphia.
2: As long as it's not as an OC. To be their senior defensive assistant. See, that makes a lot more sense. Because he didn't work out as a head coach. He was pretty solid as a DC. He was. But when they moved him to OC...
1: My, my I was question, worried. <laughs> my, my question, I, I would really like to have a conversation. With one Bill Belichick. With Bill Belichick, who's a coaching legend. But I think the first question that I would ask him is, what the hell were you thinking when you put Matt Patricia as o- offensive coordinator, co-offensive coordinator, with Joe
2: Judge? Who's a special teams guy. What? Did did Aaron Rodgers share some of his special potion with you?
1: Like, what happened there? That ayahuasca. Why? Sometimes I look at people making decisions like that and just write out your rationale for me because I want to understand
2: it, but I just don't. I need to know your thought process behind that. It might make me feel... It might make my judgment on you better...
1: If you tell me your thought process, because right now I'm going to call you an idiot.
2: Maybe, I, maybe I'd be a little understanding. Or maybe I'd be like, no, you, you make no sense. Right. So without knowing your rationale,
4: I'm
1: calling you an idiot. If you tell me your thought process. And it makes I, sense. I, I might just call you
2: misguided. There's, I'd rather be called misguided than be called an idiot. Hindsight's twenty twenty. Like, I mean, we <laughs> right. look at it and you're like, okay. I just want to know.
3: I
0: just
1: want to know some other top stories looking at the MLB. How about Fernando Tatis Jr. Returning to the lineup tonight for the San Diego Padres after serving his 80 game suspension. The, the interesting thing here is what that's going to do to the Padres lineup. And what I'm, what I'm getting at, at is the fact that this lineup is absolutely stacked. Xander Bogarts, Nelson Cruz, Fernando Tatis Jr., Juan Soto, Need I Go On, Manny Machado, Trent Grisham, Jake Conanworth, Austin Nola, Roof Ned O'Dore. This is a stacked baseball team. And let me tell you something, James. They won't win anything. They won't win anything. This might be one of the best MLB lineups ever constructed. And they won't win a damn thing because it is the Padres and there is just this MLB baseball juju that surrounds them,
2: they won't win. They're the Atlanta Falcons of the MLB. It's so sad to think about because we've seen so many teams in history where you're like, wow, this is a quote-unquote super team. This is a lock to make it to whatever sports championship they're playing for. And it almost feels like you have too much talent. Correct. For your own good. And you end up underperforming because the expectations are so high. And you crack under the pressure. And sometimes the chemistry just doesn't work yep. out well because you got too many cooks in the kitchen. You got too many alphas. Maybe if the Padres hired somebody and of course what I'm
1: about to say is a joke. Maybe if they hired somebody to give them a better color scheme, maybe they would play better. Because right now they're using that brown, yellow, and ugly gray. And before that, it was navy blue and orange. I mean, navy blue and orange, go Astros, right? But I, I don't know. This is bad. It, it's just bad. And they tried to make it, you know, super traditional with the pinstripes on the gray jersey, but honestly, just made it worse. <laughs> I just got a text from somebody. They look like cans of YooHoo. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's accurate. It, it's it's just not good. Um, but look. Am I saying that I want the Padres to lose? No. I would actually, I would really enjoy watching the Padres cash
2: in on the work that they've put in to build this team. No, it's just they're the Buffalo Bills of the MLB. But they're not going to. They have a lot of talent, they feel like one of the most well rounded teams, but they're going to end up falling short in the playoffs. By the way, the
1: Yankees lead the Angels five to three in the bottom of the seventh, and one game has already gone final today. The Red Sox go to five hundred as they take down the Minnesota Twins eleven to five. So, and we talked about the Astros game earlier—that eight to one win. They've got the day off tonight as they travel to Atlanta. They play a three-game set with the Red Hot Braves beginning tomorrow night at six twenty. The Braves come into this game at fourteen and five so far on the season. We're going to take a time out here on Crunch Time. When we return, James and I are going to look at our favorite prospects in the draft, plus there was a mock draft that came out today by a former NFL player that kind of has my head scratching. We'll do that next.
0: This is Crunch Time on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros.
1: Are you tired of your boring man cave? Well, the game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, wants to hook you up with the ultimate man cave makeover built by Lafayette Marble & Granite. Sign up today in the clubhouse at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com for a chance to win a new recliner from Borderlands Furniture, flat-screen TV from AVI, and much more. It's the ultimate man cave makeover powered by Lafayette Marble & Granite and the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports
0: Station. Let your voice be heard. Hello. Give us a call on the hotline at 337 706 0111 and speak your mind. Yellow. This is the game 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's Sports Station.
1: Welcome back to Crunch Time 517 here on your Thursday. Matt Miguez, James Mesh. So, real quickly during during the timeout, we talked about the the listener comment about the Padres looking like a can of
2: YooHoo. James, did you realize just how horrible YooHoo's are for you? I knew it was bad, but when you were reading the quote unquote health statistics of it, uh, oh, oh, it's right. bad. It, I, the the fact that our parents let us drink that as children is. If you want to go check it out later, go ahead, because it's ridiculous. It's, it's insane. But anyways, so
1: let's look at the NFL draft. We're a week away from it today. Right now, I'm going to put you on the spot.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Rank your five favorite first-round prospects for the Saints from one to five.
2: Okay, so it's like personal preference. Who I want, the... who who you want the Saints to draft one through five. Oh man, uh, if you could grab Lucas Van Ness, that'd be absolutely beautiful. So he's your favorite prospect. Uh, pretty much. Uh, one that's realistic where you maybe have you would maybe have to trade up for him. Maybe you wouldn't, depending on how everything falls. The first twenty eight picks. But no, Lucas Van Ness, the fact that he runs in a 4-3 system with Iowa, he played inside in the interior initially, but then they bounced him outside. He's got the size measurements that the Saints really like. It it just matches well with how the Saints like to run their defensive line. I feel like he would would be a good prospect for the Saints. What about number two? Number two, personal preference-wise, I mean, it's kind of weird because after the first 20, everyone else becomes like second – Third round prospects, mm-hmm. but when I'm when I'm looking at for Saints wise, if you could go get, if I mean if if you somehow went to go get Jackson Smith and Jigba, I would not be mad at it. <laughs> See, he's he's number one for me. Jackson Smith and Jigba for you. He's one for me. But you love Jordan. Ad- you said your favorite in this draft was Jordan Addison.
1: I think Jordan Addison's going to have a better career. So you, okay, I think Smith and Jigba fits better with New Orleans.
2: Okay, that's fair. That's fair. Um, number 3. Ooh. I mean, there's a lot of guys you could go. Uh I guess easily you could just go with Jordan Addison because he's another one. Hendon Hooker. Yeah. He's he's jumped up into the first round because if he's coming off his ACL tear and you're feeling good about him because he said he's been making good progress about that. I think he jumps back into it because then you can use him and get that fifth year option. That way you keep him on a rookie deal for another year. Correct. So my five. Smith and Jigba. Mm-hmm. Canty. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Parrish Johnson. <laughs> Ooh, if you could get Paris Johnson, that'd be awesome. But but with Paris, so what what are you gonna do with Penning? You going to move him to guard or something? No. So right now,
1: McCoy's your center. Right. Ruiz is your right guard. guard. You got a Ramsey at your right tackle. tackle. Your left tackle is pinning, and your left guard is Pete? Yes. So I would say, by Pete, I would do anything I could to get Pete out of the team. (laughs) I would put Paris Johnson at guard. Because he played both at Ohio State, he's listed as a tackle, but he played both. Okay, put him at guard and then put leave Trevor Penning a tackle. Um, so
2: fourth would be Lucas Van Ness. It, that'd be another. It, it's it. It almost feels like that'd be Andrew Pete all over him because he kind of did both in college, if I'm not mistaken. And then he was a he's a taller tackle. He was he's six seven. It'd be the same thing with. Paris Johnson who's 6'6" and usually you kind of have the taller offensive linemen on the edges at the tackle and then you when you get to like 6'3", 6'4", maybe 6'5", usually that's where your guards and centers come in because then it'd be easier for your quarterbacks to look over look over the line and f- look in the middle of the field. I just think Paris Johnson's more athletic than Andrus Pete is. No, I I don't I don't blame you for that pick at all. And then my last one I'm going to kind of go off
1: the wall here. Are you going to say Osiris Torrance? No. Oh, okay. He's up there. He's up I, there. Okay. He's, he's not in my top five. I know I've said that the Saints should not draft a tight end. But Here, here it comes. But if you could end up with Darnell Washington. <laughs> if you could end up with Darnell Washington. Now I'm, I'm not saying this for but the you first said, round. You said
2: first round. You were saying first round, guys. This is first round.
1: Okay. Okay. So then, first round broke his
2: own rules. I, I, did, my, I did break my own rules, didn't I? My fifth, I would go with Christian Gonzalez. Oh, nice! That'd be good pick. That'd be a great pick to grab. Good pick. I'm gonna go Joey Porter Jr. It's a good one
1: out of Penn State. It's a good one. I mean, his dad was a legend, so I would I would absolutely go Joey Porter Jr. But while we're
2: on this topic. Mm-hmm. Maurice Jones-Drew. Oh, Maurice Jones-Drew. Look, um, I, I liked him when he was in Jacksonville as a running back. was a great running back in the NFL. I've agreed with some of his takes, but looking at this mock draft. Yikes. I, like, as as I looked at him, I'm like, what is going on? <laughs> so let's start with number one. Carolina takes Anthony Richardson. I like the boldness. I'm, I'm not faulting him with that because I don't necessarily agree with the pick but I'm not crucifying him for taking Anthony Richardson number one overall with the Panthers pick. Now, once we get to two and three, that's where I get confused because at this point, Bryce Young is not making it past two. So the fact that, and also multiple reports have been saying that the Houston Texans are not, quote unquote, in love with CJ Stroud. So the fact that he still had Stroud at two and then had Bryce Young being taken by the Colts at three to move up one pick. Like, it just feels like a big old mess. It's like, what's going on? Yeah.
1: So CJ Stroud at two, Bryce Young at three, to Indy, because Indy and Arizona do a
2: switch in his draft. At four, Arizona takes Tyree Wilson. Which I agree. But because of how the quarterbacks are falling, now Will Anderson falls to five to Seattle. And I'm like, <laughs> and Pete- what? What? Pete Carroll is sitting there saying, Thank you. <laughs> He's just, Thank you. He's like a fly on the wall, just I rubbing to, his hands together. I
1: get to save my job? Great. Love that. Detroit takes Jalen Carter, which is intriguing. Absolute steal at that point. Absolutely. Uh, Vegas takes Christian Gonzalez at seven. Atlanta, who loves Clemson players, takes Miles Murphy. Chicago takes Peter Skronsky, so Skronsky goes literally 10 minutes down the road because uh, Northwestern is right outside of Chicago. Easy drive. Uh, <laughs> Philly uses the pick that they got from New Orleans
2: to take Bijan Robinson. I've heard people talk about that, but I just don't know how likely that is. You don't think he's going to go that high? I don't know. Okay. I, think, I think someone could draft him in the teens, but all the way at 10? When, which you'll see it in my mock draft, I'm about to publish it. I think if Christian Gonzalez falls, which he doesn't in this one, but you could also very easily just take Devin Witherspoon, who ended up going 14 to the Patriots in this.
1: See, one thing about his mock draft that jumps out to me, and obviously we're not going to go through it pick by pick because there's 31 of them to get to. He takes CJ Stroud for the Texans at two, right? Yeah. And then he turns around at 12 <laughs> and, then he and takes... takes Jackson Smith and Jigbo. <laughs> I love the connection. Dude, if Houston can re- realistically pull that off, it's genius. Right. It's genius. That if, would be. If they were in love with Stroud. Right. If, if If Stroud's your guy and you can find a way to get his receiver and his college teammate. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Osiris Torrance, the former Cajun, goes 13 to the New York Jets. Green Bay actually takes a skill player? Huh? They take Zay
2: Flowers at 15. Interesting. That one, because here's the thing. They've been taking defensive players for the longest time. They took Jordan Love in 2020, sure. But overall, it's just linebacker, defensive end, safety, corner defensive back they took back-to-back tackles in 2010 and 2011 with Derek Sherrod and Brian Balaga but even before then it was B.J. Jalari. and the last time that they took a skill position player oh man like we're not counting Aaron Rodgers because he's a quarterback but correct last time they took him was 2002 with Javon Walker a wide receiver correct it's been over 20 years since they took a skill position player. Are we sure that they're going out of their way to take no, Zay Flowers? they're not doing that. No. Let's go back to the Seattle Seahawks.
1: So last season, the Seahawks bolstered their offensive line by taking Charles Cross and Abraham Lucas. Right. Their defense kind of struggled a little bit because of
2: it. They could use help on the defensive line. Absolutely. And according to Maurice Jones-Drew, that's exactly what they're going to address. They doubled down... On, on edge rushers, rush.
1: <laughs> Will Anderson Jr. and Lucas Van Ness. Every quarterback in the league should be afraid. <laughs> That's scary. You know what I mean? Wh- where y- you can't run, you can't get away. Uh, that is that is frightening. Nolan Smith goes twenty-one. To the Chargers, Jordan Addison goes 22 to
2: Baltimore. Are they trying to keep Lamar around? How many receivers are you going to bring in for Lamar? Because you've kind of been giving Devin Duvernay an extended like – you've been expanding his role and kind of giving him more gadget plays to work with. And then you still have Rashad Bateman, who you took just a couple of years ago in the first round of that draft. But then you also signed Nelson Aguilar. Like I'm not expecting him to have a huge role, but you also just signed – Odell Beckham Jr. Correct. So it's like, how many receivers are you going to bring in? Now, at 23, this is a
1: perfect pick for both parties. Minnesota takes Hendon Hooker. Now, let me tell you why this makes sense. Kirk Cousins has a year left on his deal.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: He's getting up in age. What Hooker has the opportunity to do is, A, get fully healthy. Yep. Sit that whole year. Sit and learn behind, I mean, love or
2: hate him, he's he's done a lot in the NFL, and Kirk Cousins. And then in 2024, you know the offense. You get to throw it to Justin Jefferson.
1: You know the offense. You get to throw it to Justin Jefferson. Uh, that's a great situation for both sides. Taking Hendon Hooker there at 23. Jameer Gibbs goes to Alabama at 26. Kalasia Cancy goes to Buffalo at 27. And then back-to-back back tight ends?
2: Look, Cincinnati needs a tight end. So them drafting Dalton Kincaid out of Utah makes sense. I'm Yeah, I'm not sold cool. on, on them taking Irv Smith and him being the long-term option for them.
1: If the Saints
2: take a tight end in the first round, which I certainly don't think that they will, but if they do... There's about five people that would be jumping for joy, and one of them is D'Lo. <laughs> it would not be Michael Meyer. It wouldn't be. If you
1: take a tight end in the first round, it is Darnell Washington. Michael Meyer, I'm, I'm going to be honest, doesn't really impress me. He just doesn't impress me. I don't think he fits the Saints scheme very well. I think he reminds me a whole lot of Adam Troutman, and that's worked out swimmingly. Please don't draft the tight end in the first round. Please don't. Um, Go, go line. Go offensive or defensive line or take a receiver. Do, do not take a tight end. Please. Please. And rounding out the first round, Philadelphia takes Brian Breezy out of Clemson. And Kansas City finds Frank Clark's replacement in Keon White out of Georgia Tech. 531 here on your Thursday. We'll take a timeout. When we return, we'll go behind enemy lines, talk about the defending national champion and the Ole Miss Rebels as they welcome the LSU Tigers to Swayze Field this weekend right here on The Game.
0: A recent survey said that game listeners prefer our station than filing their taxes. Take that, taxes. This is The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station.
1: Back to crunch time, 5.35, almost 5.36 here on your Thursday. Matt Miguez, James Mesh, the game hotline is 337-706-0111. The top-ranked LSU Tigers coming off of their loss to Louisiana, 8-5 on Tuesday in Baton Rouge. They now shift gears and will head to Oxford, Mississippi to take on the Ole Miss Rebels in a three-game set over at Swayze Field. The Rebels twenty-one and sixteen so far on the season, and three and twelve in the SEC. Here to talk about it, he covers Ole Miss for the Clarion Ledger. We've had him on before covering the Golden Eagles of Southern Miss. It's Mr. David Eckert. David, thanks for taking the time, man. How are you?
5: I'm doing great, man. Yeah, made the uh, made the move a couple hours north, or a little bit more than that, I guess. But yeah, it's uh, been an interesting season for the Rebels at least so far, so, so um, it should be a fun one this weekend.
1: So before we dive deep into the Ole Miss Rebels and the season that they've had, I, I gotta ask, man, how's Oxford been treating you?
5: It's great. I mean, it's just, you know, it's a college town, right? And, you know, everybody loves, I love college town. Um This is college town number three for me on the, the beat riding trail. Um, and it's just awesome. It has everything you need. You can walk. You know, it's can't beat it.
1: So, looking at the Rebels 21 and 16, like I mentioned, you look at the schedule. Things started off well for them. Uh, you know, you picked up wins over Delaware. You took two out of three against number 13, Maryland. You swept Purdue. You got a win over a tw- top 25 team in Southern Miss. And then when SEC play opened, things kind of went downhill. You got swept by Vanderbilt. You got swept by Florida. You dropped two out of three to A&M. You dropped two out of three to Arkansas. And then this past weekend at Super Bulldog Weekend in Starkville, you dropped two out of three to Mississippi State. How does this team bounce back coming back home to play the top-ranked LSU Tigers?
5: Well, um, the pitching has to get better, the hitting has to get better, and the defense has to get better now. Um, <laughs> you know, it's uh it's, it's everything, right? It's it, it, it's. I actually I asked Mike Bianco, what was probably a little bit of a leading question um, after uh, after their Sunday loss to um, City State about the bullpen, and he was like, hey, it's not just the bullpen. It's it's everybody has 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 some fault here, and he's right. Like um, that lineup. The lineup that was just absolutely raking through that stretch that you described there um, is not raking anymore. Um, their starting pitching was frankly just abysmal at the beginning of SEC play. It's, it's getting better. Um, really, you could even say they had a good weekend in Starkville, and the other facets kind of let them down. They're not playing good defense. They're doing silly little things to, like, making outs in the base pads where they shouldn't, um, you know, playing uh, singles into doubles in the outfield, um, not really controlling the, the run game that well. So it's just it's, it's, it's just poor play on all fronts, really. So, again, you have a team like LSU coming in, like it all of it has to be better. It's not like, hey, we get a better start from Jack Doherty on Friday night you know, it's fixed. It's not, right? There's so much that has to to happen for them to be a winning SEC baseball team again.
1: You know, we have a talk show host and a prominent sports writer here in Acadiana that, that works with us, Kevin Foote, and he's got this mentality that the year after a team wins a championship is called a hammock season where it doesn't really matter what happens. They're just kicking back in their hammock, relishing... The the championship, right? Could could that be the case for Ole Miss this year?
5: Um you know, I don't think so. Um because look, I mean, it's it's not like the NFL or is you know, MLB or whatever, like half this team is new. Half this team did not win the the Boys championship in in Omaha last summer, right? So um that was a big emphasis leading into the year. hey, we're not gonna we're we're not gonna let this be a championship hangover, and really, they didn't because they had that great start that we talked about. Um, yeah, I don't know. Uh, maybe they're getting to a point where it's impacting them, but it it would surprise me. I just think this team has some real flaws
1: now, looking at the statistics, we'll start with offense calvin Harris's. Is- one of the leaders batting 356 with 6 homers and 29 RBIs and then you have Kemp Alderman who's also batting 356 but he's got 10 doubles, 15 homers and 51 RBIs outside of these two guys talk about who else has really you know, stepped up and had a strong first half to the season
5: Yeah, so you, Jacob Gonzalez right, shortstop, probably going to be a top 15 pick this summer um, he's been good, maybe not as good as, as they had accounted for, but, you know, still really good SEC baseball player. Um, and then, you know, center field is uh, a two-lane transfer, Ethan Groff, who's been, has been good for them at the top of the order. Um, aside from that, man, like, Anthony Calarco at first base, Northwestern transfer has been pretty good. Um, but, you know, uh, the, the bottom half of their order is not good. Um. Once you get past Colarco, who's usually in that fifth spot, um, there just hasn't been a lot of production. So those are the five guys I I, I think that, you know, if you're an LSU fan, you circle.
1: Now you talked about Ethan Groff, the the lane transfer. You know, how's he fit in 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 Oxford? I know five home runs and and twenty eight RBIs and thirty eight RBIs so far this season with eleven doubles. Uh, j- just kind of talk about the season that he's had for Ole Miss.
5: Yeah, I really like his game. Um, I think he's outstanding defensively. Um, he's one of those guys where he just, in, in center field, he gets such good breaks on balls. He reads the game so well that he's not out here making, like, ridiculous plays. But he's, he's, he's absolutely an asset to them defensively. Um, he gives them a little bit of speed on the base pass that they don't really have otherwise. Um, really patient. Uh, Great eye at the plate. Um, You know, maybe uh, Mike Bianco would have liked to see a little bit more power from him. I know, you know, he had a a lot of extra base hits for Tulane last year, but yeah, um, just been a really good addition for sure.
1: Chatting with David Eckert, who covers Ole Miss for the Clarion Ledger. Looking at the pitching side of things. I know you said that the, the pitching needs to get better, and if you if you look at the team ERA at 5.55 so far on the year, what's the weekend rotation look like for, for Ole Miss? Who should LSU get comfortable with?
5: Yeah, so um, that's a little bit up in the air right now with they haven't released their uh, pre-series notes that usually give us the starting rotation. And the reason for that is Hunter Elliott um, – Friday night guy going into the season, really good in the NCAA tournament last year. Um, is supposed to be returning from a, a, a long injury absence this weekend. Um, Mike Bianco kind of intentionally wouldn't say whether that would be out of the bullpen or in the rotation. So that's something you got to factor in. Um, but Friday night has been Jack Doherty. Um, you know, he started the year in the bullpen, um, and they moved him into the rotation when Elliot got hurt. He's, I mean, he's had some really good starts. He was great in Starkville last season, or last week, really, really good. But generally, I would say it's been pretty ugly for him. Um, you know, he, he, he has great stuff, but it just hasn't really clicked in a, in a starting role. Um, Saturdays have been Xavier Rivas, Plessy. Um, he's been pretty good. He's, a, he's actually he's a Division II transfer. They got him from the University of Indianapolis. Um, I like his stuff. He started the year rough, but he's been for my money their best pitcher in SEC play. Um has like a uh uh he doesn't throw super hard, but he's a fastball that'll run in on a righty's hand, good slider. Um and then Sunday has been JC Quinn, who is a, a true freshman. Um gotten three SEC starts. They they lifted another true freshman, Grayson Sonnier, from the rotation. It just wasn't working for him. Um but yeah, he's been he's been solid. Uh, also, pretty good in Starkville last weekend. So, yeah, the the, the rotation is improving. Um, maybe it, I wouldn't really call it a plus SEC rotation, but it's it's at the point now where it's not, you know, the the main factor in losing games for them. I guess.
1: Now, I know you've touched on saying that Ole Miss really needs to do everything better. Uh, but for this weekend with LSU, with the potent offensive lineup that they have coming in, obviously Paul Skeens has been a dominant Friday night guy. Ty Floyd's had a strong start to the season, and Sunday's just kind of up in the air for for LSU. What do what does Mike Bianco and the Rebels have to do this weekend specifically to find success against the Tigers?
5: Yeah, I mean they're they're going to have to probably get a great start at a, at a Doherty on Friday. Um, if they get what he gave them in Starkville last weekend, you know, they'll be in that game because, you know, there's nothing this lineup has shown recently that, that'll indicate that, you know, they're going to go put up a six spot against Paul schemes. Right. Um, you know, they're, they're going to have to hit some balls out of the yard. Um, you know, I don't, I don't know that, especially considering the weakness at the bottom of the lineup that, Ole Miss is going to string together four or five, six hit innings. You know they're they're going to have to get some power to, to score, and the, you know they're, they're perfectly capable of that. Of that right, Kemp, Alderman, um, Calvin Harris, to a lesser extent, Jason Gonzalez can all hit the ball out of the yard, and they can't beat themselves. You know the little things, the defensive errors, um, just uh, lapses in, in in concentration have to stop. Um, you got to play clean baseball against LSU.
1: David Eckert joining us here on Crunch Time. David, really appreciate your time. Enjoy the series this weekend in Oxford. Don't get hit with a beer shower. And uh, we'll, (laughs) we'll talk to you again soon, my friend.
5: Appreciate it, Matt. Have a good one.
1: And there he goes. David Eckert of the Clarion Ledger up in Oxford. We'll take a timeout. When we come back, we'll wrap up today's show. We've talked a lot about Vegas adding the Oakland A's. I've got some statistics that show you just how much Vegas has grown from a sports capacity. We'll talk about that next.
0: This is Crunch Time on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros.
1: If you haven't seen the defending World Series champs in person yet, well, don't worry. The Game 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles wants to hook you up with our second Astros weekend getaway. Houston takes on the Oakland A's on Saturday, May 20th, and you can be there. Just register in the Game Rewards Club at 1037thegame.com to score four tickets, tour of Minute Maid Park, and hotel accommodations that Saturday night. Astros weekend getaways are powered by Butcher Air Conditioning. La Meridian Houston downtown and the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station.
0: From the Louisiana Raging Cajuns to the latest with the New Orleans Saints and Pelicans, Miguez and Mesh cover it all. I'm not worried. Uh, I think it's something that I can get under control. Now Now back back to to more Crunch Time time with Miguez and Mesh here on The the game. Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's Sports Station.
1: So on this April 20th, Everybody has been up in arms that Twitter is removing your checkmark if you didn't pay for it, unless you have some kind of superstar status. Apparently, LeBron James received an email from Twitter this afternoon after LeBron James publicly said that Twitter could take his checkmark because he wasn't paying for it. Because LeBron's, even though he makes $50 million a year, LeBron James is notoriously cheap. He gets an email this afternoon saying that Elon Musk would personally like to extend you a complimentary subscription to Twitter Blue for your account. So if you've got some kind of pool in the world, Elon Musk will pay for your Twitter Blue subscription, apparently. He even confirmed it in a comment saying that he is paying for a few people's personally, like Martin Lawrence. He said he wasn't paying for a blue check mark. Well, now he's got one. Stephen King has his blue check mark still. So just food for thought. Maybe get famous and, and you can keep your check mark.
2: So Matt, what happened to yours? I stopped paying for it. Ah. Uh, so you're not I thought you were a superstar.
1: Yeah, well, Twitter doesn't see me that way. But you know <laughs> it's all it's, it's all a matter of opinion. It's fine. Um but no, going back to the Vegas thing. This is this is insane. We talked about how they're gonna gain three sports franchises in a five year period. This statistic from Front Office Sports says that in a 10-year period, the the city of Las Vegas will have added the A's, the Las Vegas Aces who came to them in 2018, the Raiders, the Desert Dogs, which is a lacrosse team in the National Lacrosse League, the Golden Knights, the Pro Bowl was played in Vegas, a Super Bowl is going to be played in Vegas. An NFL draft is going to be hosted in Vegas. There's going to be a Final Four in Vegas. Vegas is going to host a Formula One Grand Prix. And they're going to get a college football playoff national championship game. Now go ahead and tell me
2: that Las Vegas isn't a sports town. That's all in a 10-year period. I think I think Vegas is just a... Inner- Entertainment town. Yeah. (laughs) That is... If you bring any sort of entertainment, the people will follow. That is five franchises, three championship games in sports, the draft,
1: the NFL All-Star Game, and a Formula One race. In 10 years, for a city that already makes money hand over fist... Absolutely bunkers. Good for Vegas. Good for them. They're doing it the right way. So look, if you're gonna do it the right way and you're going to give your sports franchises the monetary revenue that they deserve, then look, go for it. Not my problem. I want to take this opportunity to thank Dane Lewis, host of Locked On Stars, joining us today talking the NHL playoffs. David Eckert joining us talking the old miss rebels. Come back tomorrow, we'll talk with Jake Crane for Jake's Takes, plus an NFL Draft Preview with our guy Emery Hunt. For James Mesh, I'm Matt Miguez. Be safe, be well, and give a hug to your mom and them. You've been listening to Crunch Time right here on The Game at Southwest Louisiana Sports Station and your home for the LSU Tigers and the World Series champion, Houston Astros.